Welcome to the Business Growth Podcast with me, Kevin Miller. On this podcast, you're going to hear some awesome interviews from business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs as they share their story, their journey, and some expert tips and insight of the things they've learned along the way. So sit back, enjoy, learn, and grow. And thanks for joining me. I'm joined today with leadership expert and author Gary Ryan. Gary's a director of his own leadership consultancy firm based out in Melbourne and he's just written his second book, Disruption Leadership Matters, Lessons for Leaders from the Pandemic. It's a number one bestseller on Amazon and Gary's with us today to talk all things leadership, talk about his new book and why he believes the term HR is outdated in 2022. Hello, Gary. G'day, Kevin. Thanks for having me on board. It's an absolute pleasure, mate. It's um, It was great to, to sort of touch base with you briefly prior to going on air and just hear about what you're doing, and in particular, the, the new book that you've got out there. Before we go into it, you know, what? tell us a bit about yourself, your motivations for, for doing the book, and, you know, a bit about your leadership consultancy. Sure. Um, not a problem. Uh, I suppose as a as a, the, well, the company actually turned 15 years old on the 7th of February. So we just had our birthday, which is pretty cool. cool. Um, and, and I'm one of those folks that decided that uh, I wanted to do my own thing. And I would, I would describe myself as a craftsperson uh, in the leadership and culture space. But as a, as a human being, I'm number nine of 11 children, mm-hmm. which is a little bit rare these days. And, and I'm also a twin. And I come from a very blue collar background i've got 64 first cousins and when i went to university i was the first male in my extended family to go there so basically i I had no idea what to expect (laughs) 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 but there is a relationship because this was born from um as a 10 year old our parents would sit all of us down so my twin brother dennis and i got sat down by mum and dad and they said where do you want to go to secondary school all of my brothers had gone to the local technical school that used to exist here in Melbourne mm. and it, with a view to becoming tradespeople like my father who was a carpenter. Right. And they looked at me and I said, I want to go to university. And Dad sort of shook his head and said, I just asked you about secondary school, Gary. What do you mean by university? And, and what are you going to do if you go to university? I said, I don't know. It's one of those situations where I knew more about what I didn't really want to do then maybe what I did want to do specifically at least. But I did know I was pretty smart at school and I did know I didn't really enjoy swinging the hammer in the in the um, garage with all my brothers. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay. And, and uh, my twin brother said, there's too much homework at those private schools. I want to go to the tech school like all my brothers. And so my father said, um, righto, you can go to the local tech school, uh, local uh, college, boys college, um, and looked at my twin brother and said, you can uh, go to the local tech school like your brothers. And then he pointed at himself and said, I'll go and get a second part-time job to pay for you to go to the local boys' school, which he went and did. Yeah, fantastic. Now, later in life, I came across a term called servant leadership um, through all my studies and stuff, and I've got three degrees and had the great honour to be able to do four subjects in a doctoral program as part of a Doctor of Business Administration program where they let me do the subjects at Monash University. And I got exposed to a concept called uh, servant leadership and discovered that that's exactly what my parents had been okay. for all of us. 
So can you elaborate, um, can you elaborate on that, what servant leadership is? Yeah, well, you, you normally, Kevin, in an organisation, if you draw an organisation's hierarchy, you've got the, 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 the CEO or the managing director or the executive director, whatever they're called, sitting at the top of the triangle. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then eventually you filter, filter through all the structure and you get to the, the what we call the frontline staff and they sit at the bottom of the pyramid and there's more of them than anyone else in the organisation. In really simple terms, servant leadership, which has become authentic leadership, inclusive leadership and human-centred leadership, it's sort of evolved over time. They're all very much around the same principles. Flips that pyramid around so it inverts the pyramid. Everyone's still in the same position on it, however, so that the people that were previously at the top are actually now at the bottom at the pointy end. Mm-hmm. But the, there's one additional group that's added to this, this drawing, and that's the ultimate folk that you're serving. If you're in retail, it's your customers. If you're in a university, it's your students. So whoever that ultimate stakeholder is. Now, what's fascinating, Kevin, is I have never once in my life when the pyramid's drawn the normal way seen that group named on that pyramid. Yeah. I don't know if you have. No, no, and I know they do something similar. You know, they've changed the way they look at mar- marketing as well. You know, the way they look at the funnels of marketing and they've kind of inverted mm. that triangle as well. And it's, you know, and that, that's obviously the basis for where you you started your ideology, you started your your, your thinking in terms of mm. what you believe about leadership. And, um, you know, we'll touch, we'll, touch on, we'll touch on that shortly in the book. But I think it probably as well, it comes from being in a large family, Gary. You know, being in a in a larger um, dynamic of people. You know that you're in that environment. You're you've got your place in that family unit, don't you? So that that's your sort of early grounding, your early introduction to it. Yes, that's true. Yeah, because in that unit, you know, in a, in any sort of environment where there's a where there's a few people, you're you're sort of finding your way, aren't you? And you're taking stock of what's happening around you, and and to use your word, the hierarchy of where things where where you sit. You know, where you where you sit and if you're not happy with that or you're not happy with the way that that actually operates itself, then you're you're looking for a way to, to make it more comfortable. You're looking for a way to change it. And that's, I guess, maybe the basis of where it all started and where you start going, well, I'm not happy with this normal, you know, the normal scheme of things, the normal way things are done. I want to sort of have a think about maybe doing something differently. It should be done differently. Yes, and, and you know, again, that, that little story I shared about being 10, ten with mum and dad, that was that. That's how that inverted pyramid actually works. Because the way it works is, your job as the leader is to serve the people above you in that inverted pyramid to be the best that they can be for your ultimate stakeholder, whoever it is. Right. So it's absolutely not about doing their job for them. It's about making sure they understand what does success actually look like. How do I know I'm doing a good job? What what skills do I have to have to have that, to be able to do that? Um, you know, what's the equipment and resources I need to be able to, to be able to be the best that I could, can be mm-hmm. and having absolute clarity about those sorts of things and why what we're doing even matters, that's what serving looks like in this context. And I would argue, Kevin, that the, unfortunately um, the, the normal pyramid actually says leadership's all about the leader yeah. and that's fundamentally flawed. Yeah, it's, it's an, an inverting it the way that you're explaining it and looking at the way that you were treating humans as human beings uh, rather than commodities, which is which we'll touch on later. That's it's mm, all mm. it's all intertwined, isn't it? It all fits, and it's and it's a fantastic concept. Even just you know what you what you write about in the book, a lot of your views have been built up through you know your your past experiences and the people you've met along the way, 
I know that the book it touches on you know individuals and clients. There's some some lessons and some stories from from some of them. But but basically, is that where it's all kind of come from? You know that that journey that you've went through in terms of your own business journey and your professional journey and the personal stuff that you shared. Do you think that's where the those views have been shaped? Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. And I suppose that the key thing that I've seen. Uh, and one of my heroes is a woman called uh, Michelle Hunt, who's a, a, an African-American woman, and, and she quoted a, a, a ch- her boss at the time called Max Dupree's from Herman Miller, which is a furniture manufacturing company, actually. And and she'd been a, an advisor to President Clinton. So th- this woman's earned journey and fascinated. But she, she, she quoted Max and she said that leadership is a serious meddling in other people's lives. Leadership is a serious meddling in other people's lives. It's interesting hearing hearing other people's views on on leadership, you know, because it's it goes back to the whole thing about the the outdated views, isn't it? You know, there's there's the new views versus the outdated stuff, and it's hearing the newer the newer views on on leadership, like like you mentioned just then. It's you know, it's quite um, you know, it's 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 quite inspiring. It's interesting. Yeah, and and so what does she mean by that? Well, what she means is is that. Most folk that care about their work, when they go home, most folk will have something about work that they take home with them, mm-hmm. you know, some stress or anxiety, if they care, right? And most folk do. Now, that's that's hard enough to deal with and hard enough to, to try and prevent that from impacting you being present at home with your family if you've got one, etc., or just living your life the way you want to live it. And, and what, what Michelle was really saying is that on top of that, the meddling bit, is that just the behaviour of the leader can add to that stress that the person is taking home. And what she she was saying, and I believe too, and I believe I've seen it, is that the leaders do not have the right to impact someone's home life like that just because of their behaviour. Do you think that sometimes that, those leaders, though, they don't know the behaviour? They don't. They actually don't see their behaviour? They're not aware of it? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. That's called Jahari's window. They're completely blind to it because, unfortunately, if you're familiar with Carol Gorek's work on, the gro- work on the growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, they've actually developed a fixed mindset, which basically is don't let people know that you don't know things. Mm-hmm. And especially don't let people know that you might have some areas that you need to improve on. Cover that up as best you possibly can. Yeah, it's a sign of weakness, or some people view it as a sign of weakness, obviously. Yes. At a small business level, um, you know, obviously less staff, there's, there's less things to consider, less people to consider. But have you had any experiences with smaller businesses that have grown into larger organisations that have then, you know, had a bit of trouble dealing with leadership, how to how to manage staff better? Have you had, have you had those sort of clients along the way? Yeah, well, Proctor Majors actually in there, uh, in the book, they're an accounting firm, and with with michael and his fellow directors it's funny that the 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 thing when the pandemic was oh my gosh you know we we, we, we have been growing we are growing we just we just put on five graduates um they're not going to be in the office yeah uh how do, how do we make sure they're on board the culture they know what they're going to do and and um they actually engage the next level of leaders down and realized we actually haven't enabled them to be the leaders they could be because we've actually put all of that weight on our own shoulders. And those leaders, such as Hannah Jensen, who's a a wonderful young accountant, said, Michael, we can do this. We can look after the graduates. It's all going to be remote. 
And it was nearly 12 months before they were able to physically see each other. But, but, but we can do it. Now, Michael is so grateful on one level for the pandemic that he had the opportunity to finally let it click, let go, let leaders lead. And again, last year, they added another five graduates because their business has grown throughout this period. And do you find and that the small business levels more, you know, they're, they're a little bit more receptive to that mode of thinking because they've not had those, not been shaped yet. You know, they've not been, they've not had the influences that maybe some other sort of corporate level leaders have. Mm, yeah, not sure on that. I think, I think actually a lot of the unfortunate, you know, normal pyramid thinking does exist in a lot of small businesses, unfortunately, and they're actually losing out big time as a result of it. Um, and, and it, it actually, that, I think that learner leader trap and, and I'm the boss, I own the business, I'm the, I know everything and, the, and all the long list that comes with that. It's a very powerful leader-learner trap yeah, for a lot of small businesses. And, yeah. I, and the, look, the evidence is the vast majority of them don't see five years, right? 95% don't see five years. So I think that that thinking is actually quite far too prevalent. They also need to stop and change their thinking. And as a business grows, and, and I've certainly experienced this in my work, the entrepreneurial skills at the start become a different skill set once a business gets to starts getting to that medium size. Yeah, you know, and I, I'd actually argue certainly, certainly once you you get to you know, say fifty and above, and certainly one hundred and fifty and above people over multiple sites, which is often the case, the, the entrepreneurial skills aren't necessarily the right skills to be now leading that business, and the, and the owners actually need to restructure and get. Get leaders in to lead and let them still be the entrepreneur, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that's very important. It's an important message because a lot of our, our listeners are small business owners. And, you know, the entrepreneurial flair, the entrepreneurial skills that, that small business owners have is is all used up in the beginning because you're, you're kicking things off, you're getting things running. And then obviously the, the business gets to a level where, you know, those skills aren't as, aren't as, as necessary as they always were. And, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about actually looking at yourself and understanding what your strengths are as a leader, as a business owner. If your skills aren't a as a leader, as a manager, then you know bring someone in that is, or you know sharpen your own skills up. Yeah, which links back to that blind spot uh, concept we were talking about earlier too. So one of the concepts I teach in the book, which is really important, Kevin, is mental models. Mm -hmm. And if you think of a classic iceberg, and you know one third pops out of the water and two thirds is below. The one-third above the waterline is our behaviour that's absolutely observable, it's recordable on video, etc. Yep. Below the waterline, informing directly our behaviour are our theories about how the world works in every aspect of how we believe the world works, and they're called our mental models. Yep. For most folk, their mental models, Kevin, are subconscious, which means they're not actually aware of what they are, mm -hmm. which is the blind spot, right? And so... Really, fundamentally, everything we've been talking about, the, the thinking behind human resources, etc., is all fueled by whatever your mental models are. So the book actually informs people about this, but also shows you the importance of becoming far more aware of what your mental models are. Because what if you've got a theory that actually isn't useful for what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, and that's that's something See? people struggle with, though. You know, Gary, because it's um, I think all business owners struggle with actually on you know finding that awareness where do they look to find that awareness how do they you know what do they do to find to get to get that awareness about themselves 
Well, they listen to you for starters. They listen to these sorts of interviews. Well, it's, it's, it's you no, know, it's true. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it was a slightly hypothetical, but you know, you, you know, <laughs> no, but you get what I'm saying. You know, it's, uh, it is, it is a big question for people because, um, you know, I, I will speak about my own experience, right? For instance, I, I am someone that knows my feelings. I, I'm quite, quite happy to share my mm. feelings, you know, and I, but and I think that's not a bad thing. I don't see that as a weakness. I see that as, I see that as a, a potential way of overcoming them and getting better you know so um and i think well, that's the right way to think you know well emotional intelligence some people think it means you become emotionless and that's not what it is mm, yeah. emotional intelligence kevin is exactly as you described as being aware of what your emotions are when you're having them mm-hmm. and aware enough to realize when your emotions might be getting in the way of what's useful so what aside from listening to listening to me, listening to you, <laughs> aside from those things, what do you what as a leadership consultant, what do you what would you say to someone that's listening that, that you know, at a small business owner level, going back to that a little bit and just sort of they want to get a bit more aware of you know, they want to get a bit more aware of what they know what they're good at potentially, but they want to get you know, they want to get nutted out what they can get better at and how they can go about doing it. You just have to be a willing learner, right? Now they're running their business, they're busy people. Yes, yeah, we sure. both we both know what this feels like, right? So uh, Betty Siebel um, shared this insight. Now, she was the longest-serving female president of a university in the USA uh, at the time she retired, and this was actually part of her retirement speech. She shared this story. Oh, cool. And what she said was that um, at the age of 35, she had two children. She was an academic. Yeah. And when she you know, was speaking with what – she didn't call her, we didn't call the mentors back then, but that's what the relationship really was. She was saying how she actually wanted to have a bigger influence in the leadership of a university. And her mentor said, so you're saying you'd like to lead a university one day? She said, oh, I would, but that's never going to happen for me. Classic self-talk yes. fed by, fueled by mental models because our talk, our self-talk is, fuels our, our, is fueled by mental models. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, the mentor said, well, let's just play with this. What if, what if, that, what if that could happen, you know? What would you need? She goes, well, I haven't studied leadership. I've, you know what I'm an expert in. I've got my PhD in this and this and this. And, and uh, they said, I know that. But, um, you know, if you were to become an expert at being a leader, Betty, a leader of people in a real organisation, let's imagine that could happen. What would you need to do? She goes, well, I'd, I'd have to study leadership. I'd have to be a student of it. The mentor said, exactly. But not a student in the context of university and doing a degree. The context of willingly spending time learning about leadership. And she said to Betty, what if every day you just devoted 10 or 15 minutes every day, you've got a habit of studying something relating to leadership. And when you find the gold nugget, so you go, hmm, I think I could use this. You then deliberately start to practice them as well in your real life work. Small business owners and others and lots of people out there listening to this have a big problem worrying about what they think people think about them. Sure. And you cannot do anything about it. So the sooner you can start working on not worrying about that, the better. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's for, definitely, definitely. You know, it's, I mean, worry about your customers and what you, what you do for them, but you don't need to worry about what people are saying about you when you're not there. Who cares at the end of the day? You know, it's, uh, and I think the message there, going back to the awareness thing, I think the message there, Gary, is that it's, it's having the willingness to learn. You know, whatever that is, it doesn't mean go away and study a degree, you know, but having the willingness to learn. Yes. There's there's information on demand everywhere nowadays. So having the willingness to go away and find it and then having the actual, 
you know, having the methodology and having doing the practice, doing the work, doing the hard yards. You have to do the work. And um, look, to be true to myself, there is one other thing I'd like to share uh, in this interview. Yeah. Um, and this project that took 18 months did not happen on its own. While, yes, I wrote every single word, etc. Um, if it wasn't for the encouragement of the wonderful Marie Harris, who wrote the foreword of the book, who uh, runs her own uh, business, she's a wonderful mentor of uh, women and men uh, in small business um, in, in here in uh, Victoria, um, to have her support and encouragement every step of the way was just just absolutely delightful. Um, and it, it, the book wouldn't have happened without her. And, and everyone that I reference in the book, every single one of them, you know, it's really interesting what you're doing, and on a in terms of the book and in terms of your opinions, I believe you've you've lit a flame there. You've you lit a flame for a conversation about things that I I agree with. Actually, I believe that you know I I'm 100 percent with you. I think that that needs to change the way that we look at treating people within our organisations need to change. Um, and if our businesses improve of, on the back of that, then it's a win-win for everybody. So it's you know thanks for thanks for sharing your opinions on it, and thanks for getting that conversation started. Um, I know if people want to reach out to you, you're you're prevalent on LinkedIn if they want to find you there. And that's and, great. And how do we get more information on the book? There's a website for the book, isn't there? That's correct. It's disruption leadership matters, all one word dot com. Or of course it's also available through all good bookstores. Gary, thank you. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure and I know there's a code there as well. If anybody wants to use the code, they can they can use the code Kevin Miller. And they can get a discount of $5 off each item in the cart online. And that website, again, is disruptionleadershipmatters.com. Have a look there. You can find Gary's book. It's sure to be fantastic. And there's some real great talking points and some real great stories in there. Thanks so much, Gary. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on board, Kevin. It's been a pleasure. for joining me on this episode of the business growth podcast if you enjoyed it and you want to come back for more don't forget to subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify google or wherever it is you get your podcasts you can catch up with me on social media on facebook at make my business better instagram at business growth au or you can jump on our website www.businessgrowthperf.com.au see you next time